I'm Jamie from New Zealand Mountain Biking, and today we have Jeff Carter, who is from Rotorua, from Tiaumuru originally. That's right. Yeah, from Tiaumuru. Um, Jeff's most well known in the mountain bike community uh, for, I guess, trail building, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get to chat about maybe if there's anything on the cards. Uh, I know that Jeff's been doing some pretty sweet trips lately, which we're sure to talk about. Um, but just a reminder that along with this podcast, uh, New Zealand Mountain Biking offers tours throughout New Zealand and lessons where we're based here in Rotorua, which I'd say is New Zealand's mountain biking capital. Um, and the best way that you can uh, support this content is to come for a ride with us, book in a ride, book in a tour, book in a lesson, um, which keeps me on my bike and yarning with people like Jeff. And follow us, uh, share this podcast with your mates. Uh, and you, if you don't get the chance to come to Rotorua, definitely check out the YouTube channel because there's a bunch of trails that we have recorded on there. Even chased Jeff down a couple, which is is pretty cool. I'll put a link to one of those in the in the description. Um, but uh, yeah, if you do want to uh, learn about anything, have me chat to anyone in particular, then let us know in the Q and A at the bottom of this little episode but other than that let's get into it jeff what has been going on thanks for coming first and formally morning jamie it's uh nice to have a chat with you i've listened to a couple of episodes and yeah it's uh it's really cool to have uh the local history and some of the great characters that we've got in rotorua um being recorded like this it hasn't been done before and stoked to be a part of it nice yeah, and so you um, have lived in Rotorua for how many years? Uh, I moved here in 2004, so it's coming up to 20 years. Yeah, and why did you choose here? Why Rotorua? Well, before this, I was living over near Te Amuru at a place called Castle Rock, mm -hmm. which is a rock climbing and mountain biking destination, and we built a lodge there for the owner, Trevor Johnson, and... Uh, I was wanting to, I'd studied engineering when I was at Canterbury University and I really wanted to pursue an engineering career and so I was tossing up between moving to Rotorua and moving to Taupo and um, I'd go riding in both of those places and I enjoyed the riding in both of those places but uh, the community here in Rotorua really sold it to me that there was just a bunch of people that were going out riding and everyone was stoked on it and so that's why I moved here and I moved um into Lamore. Sarah and I bought a house there and right by the forest was actually the first house that we looked at. Sarah looked at it and just said, oh, I found the place and I was like, What? It's the first house that we've looked at. Easy. And uh <laughs> and then I turned up and I just saw that it was fifty meters from the forest and uh I was sold straight away. Yeah. And how long did you end up living there? Right across the road from the forest. Um, this is Fokarewadawa Forest, think, by the way. Yeah, that's right. In Fokarewa Forest. And um uh, we moved out to this property, which is about 10 minutes out of town, about eight or 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. And so, yeah, I worked there for Adobe Engineers, um, and Mike Lee was the one of the engineers there, and he was the president of the Mountain Bike Club at the time. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, why don't you come along and, and get on the Mountain Bike Club committee, and he did, and, and we, um, he said, oh, how about you be in charge of the trail development stuff? Yeah. And at that stage, the trail development had been done by um, Fred Christensen, Dean Watson, and uh, 
just a few local guys, Mike Lee have been involved, Dave Donaldson, um, and getting trails, getting the first load of trails in the forest. Fred had worked with a um, PD crew, periodic detention crew, yeah. doing community service work to build the first trails. Um, that was the Genesis mm -hmm. block. And, Which is uh, the closest block to town as well. Yeah, that's right. And that's where that BMX track that Graham talked about in his episode. Yeah. That's where that was. And so um, I used to come across when I was at high school in Te Amuru, would come across after school or in the weekends and go riding here and go to Burger King afterwards. And we always pretended that someone had a birthday so we could get the hat. And <laughs> I don't know what they gave us free stuff, but we always had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you actually start mountain biking? Um, or were you just riding BMX first? Like, how'd you get into riding bikes? Um, I was at high school and I was playing rugby and I was really into rugby, but it was just so damaging. Like you'd play on a Saturday and there'd be training on a Wednesday or something. And on a Saturday you'd do that and you'd just be absolutely smashed for the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. Just thaw all over and couldn't do anything else. And, um, I did mountain biking in the summer when rugby wasn't happening bought a bike from the local bike shop, Davy Cycles, and I had this thing that um, I really wanted to learn how to do all of the stuff on the bike, and I'd get so frustrated I couldn't do it, and I'd take the hub half apart, and I'd take it into the bike shop, and, and uh, I'd pay them to, to fix it, but only if I could watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I learned, they must have been so annoyed with this kid that was just always wanting to watch them work. Yeah. But uh, I learned how to do all of the stuff on the bike just by by going to the bike shop and watching, paying them to do it, and then watching how they did it and figuring yep. it out. Um, yeah, so Tiamuru grew up there, and we built some trails up on Mount Prongia. We had a little mountain bike club, and mm -hmm. there was like 40, 50 kids in it, and we yep. were up there. And weirdly, it was mostly kids. Like, there's a couple of adults that would take us to races, but the kids were running the club. I'd write these big um, typewritten newsletters and post them out to people. Yeah. But your club, your mates, essentially, yeah, or to the wider community? Well, it was whoever was in the club, but there was like 40 or 50 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. And when was this? When were the when did that all start kicking um, off? That was like early 90s. Yeah. 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 And it was a wicked time in mountain biking because there was so much technology development happening back then. We were going from hardtails to suspension. Mm -hmm. We were getting, going from cantilever brakes to V-brakes to disc brakes. Yeah. Um, solid posts to dropper posts. It's just um, toe clips to clipless pedals. Yeah. So I've seen lots of cool development, and now we're still going. Like we're getting e-bikes. I'm really stoked on the the e-bike development. Still riding normal bikes, but I really enjoy the e-bike stuff as well. What bike? Like, what's your e-bike at the moment? I've just bought a transition relay, mm -hmm. and it's a mid-powered bike, so it's 65 newton meters of torque. And it's not as powerful as the um, repeater or the uh, the specialized lever, but it seems to still be able to get up the hills good enough. And because it's a bit lighter, it descends better. Yeah, that's what I've been enjoying on it. Is it, it pretty much replaces the whole fleet of bikes that I've had in the garage. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've been riding with you a few times with you on that, and I must say that it's been one of the first times that I've been legitimately jealous of a bike because I'm on a full powered e-bike with a 630 watt hour battery and you're on this half power thing that weighs a good eight kilos lighter than mine probably <laughs> at least and we're matching each other bar for bar on the battery 
yeah so i don't know if you ride an e-bike but range anxiety is actually a thing if you go out on an adventure and your battery is below half and you're still less than halfway through your ride you start to get a little bit concerned but anyway so jeff's on this half power bike and what kind of motor has it got it's got a Fazua ride 60 motor which is i think 65 newton meters of torque whereas yours is 85. Mm -hmm. so it's like a, it's what's called a mid-powered bike and it's got a 400 watt hour battery which is in yours as well 630 630. so i've got two-thirds of the battery and two-thirds of the um torque yeah but then when you're out on those backcountry missions where it's like uh quite steep and technical sometimes that torque that those full power bikes have is actually too much like buttoning it off or using it in trail instead of boost is quite useful otherwise you just end up spinning on stuff especially when it's a little bit wet or muddy or yeah that's the right. traction's a bit trickier yeah so it does seem to when i've gone out with you and with other people on levos it seems to drop percentage at a similar rate through the ride yeah so even though i'm maybe putting in a little bit more work on the climbs it's not it's not using up more power yeah and so you end up with a lighter bike you still get the fun of having an e-bike and doing technical climbs with an e-bike maybe the very steepest most technical climbs i couldn't do that maybe you could get up yeah um although yesterday you were just matching morgan and i pretty, pretty similarly well, yeah yeah, yeah. I think that comes down to skill yeah probably probably <laughs> <laughs> no um i just think it's a really cool development of the bikes that uh we've gone from these super high powered bikes and now um like this the first sort of mid-belt bikes were those levo cells and mm -hmm. the first generation of those people really enjoyed them but they were super noisy and so the second generation's just come out of that and that's supposed to be quieter and similar to this uh, transition relay so there's like a whole generation of bikes coming out and I think they're more of a replacement for an analog bike than a replacement for a full-powered bike. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd still use the full-powered bike for like big backcountry stuff where you're going a long way in and, and then you could meter the power back on a full-powered bike and get even further out of it. Yeah. Or even potentially though with this bike, I could just take two batteries, two 400-watt batteries. Yeah. It's hard to know. Yeah, because on mine, I've I've been toying because I've got the Shimano motor and I've been toying around with two profiles. So I have my normal profile and then I have my adventure profile, which everything's just dialed back a bit more to see if I can get more range out of my battery. Yeah. But it just ends up meaning that I use more power, more time because I'm like, ah, it'll be right. <laughs> so who knows? But I do like buttoning the torque off on the highest power mode boost because then yeah you don't get the wheel spin so much yeah it still has that extra power the oomph to push you up the steep bits but um yeah just not quite so much torque to get that wheel like with the loss of traction and i'm running a pretty fat tire on the back too big fat rim big fat tire yeah yeah i think the other thing is too once you've done a ride once you know how much battery roughly you're going to use and so yeah. you can meter it out um it's just that first time that you do a ride that you're not quite sure how far you can get mm -hmm. which is easy if it's an out and back ride yeah or a climbing up and descending down ride but if it's a long point to point ride it can start getting a bit of a worry yeah but at the end of the day you can still pedal your bike it's just really tiring hopefully you have enough snacks eh? yeah yeah that's right have to bring a few extra take a few extra snacks so you got some juice in, in your yeah more energy um because you were actually you got me onto e-biking I remember you hassling me at the start 
like get an e-bike get an e-bike when are you going to get an e-bike got an e-bike yet when are you getting an e-bike i've got these these sweet rides to go and do and yeah i guess now that when i talk to other people about getting an e-bike they're like oh no I'll wait till i'm whatever age or no i don't quite need one yet but the thing is the price of an e-bike and a, and a mountain bike are starting to become a lot more similar and you can do you just do different rides yeah you do different things when you're on your e-bike just opened up a whole new channel of fun things to do you know like yeah a lot of the rides that we've been doing are not that fun on an analog bike and so or they can be more fun on an e-bike and so it's just it's giving you opportunities to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do or back-to-back -back days when you're not quite as tired a good on an e-bike um it's a great training tool mm. yeah yeah. yeah, I use it a lot for like recovery days. Yeah. So I'll still peel around, but I'll just potter on my e-bike. Yeah. Even though it is a bit more demanding on the downhills, um, that's okay. Yeah. And the wicked thing about that relay is you can take the battery out and there's no friction in the motor. And so it becomes like an analog bike. Like, say if I go to Queenstown and do um, chairlift runs there at Skyline or Gondola at Skyline or chairlift at Coronet or uh, Cardrona, then you can just take the battery out and you've got a normal bike that's got no extra friction in the motor and it's just maybe a little bit heavier than a normal bike still having the motor in there, but that's maybe only a kilo and so it's not actually that, that different. You, Have you maybe, tried it? Yeah, one that trip in the States I just did. Yeah. Did I mention I went to the States? No, you didn't. <laughs> um, I don't know how long you can keep saying that you've just been in the States for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm, six months six months yeah <laughs> three years i don't know depends depends how often you travel it was yeah. it was good to miss a bit of winter yeah but um on that trip in the states i did four days at the start of the trip without the battery before i could get to a place that i could borrow a battery from and uh that was good fun we did a day on chairlifts at snoqualmie that was awesome and then um a couple of analog rides and then actually I had to do a big commute on the road about 25 30 kilometers on the road with a backpack on without a battery and that was all fine too mm -hmm. yeah sweet because i know sometimes it feels like you're riding through thick soft sand yeah like as soon as your e-bike dies yeah it does get a lot harder work just maybe it's the weight as well yeah well, with those first generation um levo motors in the in the shimano motor that's exactly what it's like yeah mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. And so riding bikes is what we all aim to do more of, but how did you get to this point where you can have the time to ride bikes? Like what like that is part of your work now because you have trail building company and you've been trail building for how many years now? Like you're building in Parongia? Yeah, so shall I go back to where I was talking about I came to Rotorua and um I was working for Adobe Engineers. Yeah. And I'd been on the club committee for a few years. We'd built a whole lot of trail network. Um, we'd built, well, first we started off, we built Lion Trail. The Lion Foundation put 20 grand in. And um, I'd marked that out just as a volunteer for the club. And then um, Dodsey was a friend of mine at that stage. He and Gabby lived in Rotorua. That's uh, James Dodds, Gabby Malloy. And um, Gabby was like the one that was always organizing rides after work. She worked at Zippies and Dodsey was running a skills collect business together. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he was keen to learn how to do trail building. So he was like the laborer on that first trail crew. Yeah. 
and we had Hickey's contractors do that first trail line trail and um, it's still there it's in quite big eucalyptus trees yeah real big yeah and hopefully they stay there yeah um, one of the things about the trails here in Whakarewa is that uh, we often lose those trails with logging mm -hmm. so hopefully that one stays yeah that one's in a cool little native gully so there's not really any trees to pull out of there except maybe those massive eucalypts yeah about the size of a car some of them they're huge so we built that track and then um Dozzy learned to drive the digger in the 20 minutes smoko breaks that they had oh, yeah. and so in the next contract i think was um roller coaster extension yeah and uh, mike lee and i marked that after work in the winter at night with torches on and uh we marked it out and i think Dodsy built it and i'm not sure who helped them it might have been rob metz or it might have been um mark upshaw Mm -hmm. and we went on to build a bunch of stuff in the network and so the aim of the club at that stage was to try and um, link up we had all these sort of disparate little bits of outback they called it the outback trail network yeah and the core trail network was the dipper and genesis mm -hmm. and challenge in those uh, areas and so um, there wasn't even a map when I moved to town yeah of the trails of those outback trails and so uh, I convinced Julianne Wilkinson at council to to make the first map and we got Hamish Seaton up from Dunedin to do the mapping yeah and uh and so we had all these little bits of trail all over the forest and I, I'd been going out there and just getting lost trying to find these bits that I knew that I'd been shown mm -hmm. um, Bush Buchanan roller coaster sidewinder yeah were, were these little bits of trail and we wanted to to link them up into big um loops yeah and so that was sort of the first big trail development plan that Rotorua had and I put that to Timberlands uh, Colin Maunder was there then and they approved it and we were able to then apply for funding to the Pokey Trusts to have contractors build those trails. Yeah, nice. And then, um, so I'd gone, oh, during 2006, the World Champs was on in Rotorua and um, Dave Donaldson was the big local driver of that and he asked me if I'd build the four-cross track. Mm -hmm. And... I think really because I was the only person who'd run four cross races over at Castle Rock. Yeah. I'd been living over there. We had a four cross series. We built a track for it and sort of started. It was called um, BSX back then. Yeah. And um, so we built the four cross track. Dodsey helped with that as well. Yeah. And that was over by Skyline, eh? That's over by Skyline. Yeah. I think the um, wall ride from it, the Red Bull wall, yeah. uh, wall ride's still in the paddock there. Yeah. But there's a um, bouncy ball track there now. What's that called? Zorbing. Zorbing, yeah. Yeah. Zorb or Ogo. I think it's back to Zorb. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, leading up to that 2006 World Champs, all the local downhillers wanted to race and be selected for New Zealand. And so they were trying to get access to the forest to um, to run shuttles on the downhill track. Mm -hmm. And the forestry company was getting pissed off because people were taking their cars in and then rocking around in their cars and yeah. upsetting other forest shooters. And so I suggested to Ed and Lenore that um, run Planet Bike. They were based at Waipa Car Park at that time. They were the um, bike hire people that someone should start a shuttle business, Yeah, that they should start a shuttle business. And after a month of waiting after that suggestion, they didn't do anything. And so I thought, okay, I should probably do it. Mm -hmm. And so I started South Star Shuttles and that ended up running for 13 years in the forest. Um, and we ended up with a massive capacity for uplifting people up the hill. Yeah. 
Um, we lost that business a couple of years ago, or lost the access to, for that business to mountain bike Rotorua. And that was quite a like um, big change in the forest, eh? having the the shuttle on that hill. Yeah, because that hill has now got so many different trails on it, and that's just one of the hills. The rest of them are all still pedalable. Even that one's still pedalable, but just the mere fact that you could do a train with your mates, yeah, get super stoked on the way back up on the bus, and then do another train somewhere else back to the back to the shuttle. And because I was a rider, that's how I wanted it to run. Like I wanted you to be able to just collapse, yeah, and not have to wait at the bottom. And so we we're always getting bigger vehicles and bigger vehicles and more of them, so that even if they weren't always full, you could do quick laps. Yeah, and we built a whole culture around it. Lewis Hamilton, I remember um, Dave telling his father, Dave Hamilton, telling me one day, oh, we, we were selling these, um, I think it was $200 or $150 for a, a year pass. Mm -hmm. And I think Lewis's had got his uh, per run cost down under 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is, uh, this is not good. And well, it was not good for the business in that we were transporting this huge group of kids, Lewis and heaps of his mates, Dom Stool and it was heaps of young guys that um, would come and go riding. They'd come after school, they'd come for the school holidays and then they'd just be there every day. The whole back of the bus was all these rowdy kids, 14, 15 year old kids that were just going riding. And it was a cool culture. Yeah. And so a lot of those kids went on to race and do really well internationally. Um, slim, Pene was driving the bus and had bring all his kids on. Now we've got Tohoto Penny that's just one crankworks whistler. Finger crankworks. Finger crankworks. Yeah. Yeah. And so um yeah, that service really built a whole culture. You knew that you, even if you were arrived by yourself, you could go to the shuttles, you'd meet people, you'd get to know people. Yeah. Um, it was a real social thing. You could do runs with people. There was a huge number of trails, and we were putting quite a bit of time and effort back into rebuilding those trails after logging um refreshing them just because the amount of traffic that we we're putting down them yeah and um one of the turning points was building eagle versus shark mm -hmm. so casey king was on the digger for that i did the the trail design and the cost of the trail was half by the um i can't remember if it was the rotor trust by then or it was still the mountain bike club but um half by them and half by the South Star. Yeah. So we paid the half cost of that track and um, it became one of the iconic destination tracks for Rotorua. And even now, 10 years on, it probably still is one of the trails that people come to Rotorua. Definitely to still one of the favourites. Yeah. yeah. Always puts a smile on people's face if they don't hit a tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I usually just, try and avoid that one for the end of the day because you feel like a hero, but you're kind of tired. Yeah. And people, yeah, just get too, have too much fun. Yeah, but yeah, that that trail is sick. I remember riding that for the first time, actually, parking at Black House, which used to have the Black Cottage and at the Forestry Gate, and then you'd kind of go in, ride the bottom of that trail, up, down to the shuttle, Twilight Shuttles, yeah. and then link up with whoever was there. Yeah. yeah, actually, a friend of mine said that that trail saved his marriage. Eagle versus shark. <laughs> Because it got his his wife into mountain biking, or yeah, that, well, that a, she got him into mountain biking with that with that trail. No, just that they could ride it as a family. Like yeah. he could take his wife and his kids on it, and he could have fun. Yeah. they could all have fun, and so they'd just cut laps on that yeah. track. That and 
probably the first edition of Corners Track was the two tracks off the shuttle that you could do with your family. Mm -hmm. And so that the creation of those two tracks really like doubled the shuttle market instantly. Yeah. So up until then it had been mostly downhillers and people that were just doing one shuttle as part of a longer trail ride. Mm -hmm. And then once we got some easier grade trails, then uh, the shuttle service business really took off. Yeah, nice. Because I remember like when I first moved up here, it would have been like 2008 or nine, just coming for summers. And I had buddies who were riding, but it was pretty intimidating, eh? Like they'd just talk about jumps in the downhill line. You're like, oh, I don't know, man. That sounds pretty gnarly. Yeah. But then once you get in there and you're like, oh, this is actually super fun. Everyone's pretty welcoming. And that's been a real common thing, a theme while I've been talking to people from all over uh, for this podcast, uh, is just the community around mountain biking. Like it can look kind of closed doors from the outside, but once you, you know, strike up a conversation with someone when you get to a trailhead, then people are pretty friendly, eh? pretty willing to help, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty neat part, part of Rotorua, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and like, and just the mountain biking here in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there, that wasn't the only trail project, though, was it? So there was a bit, of, a bit more going on around the country and around the world. Yeah. So the shuttle business had got to the stage where um, I thought it was enough that it could maybe support the family. Yeah. And so I gave up working at Adobe Engineers, and I was trying to do some engineering design work as well to still bring some money in, but. Um, that had taken a couple of years to get to that stage with the shuttle business. And so sort of have, have two things happened at once. One, the engineering project that I was working on, that um, the, basically the project fell over. They bought a whole lot of equipment from overseas. They couldn't, they ended up not having access to the site they wanted to build it on. And uh, it was a big lime kiln over in Tikawiti. And then the project fell over and we, all of a sudden that work dried up. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Dodgy met a, a guy in Wellington that was visiting New Zealand and was riding and said, uh, oh, can we, we're coming up to Rotorua, do you know anyone that could show us around? And Dodgy said, oh, I'm from Rotorua, I'll show you around in a couple of days. And so the guy flew in in a private jet mm -hmm. and Dodgy's like, hmm, this is interesting. And he showed him around the forest, the guy really liked the trails and said, we've bought some land in Chile do you think you could um, bring a trail crew over? And Dodgy had told him that we'd built these trails in the forest. Yeah. And um, so he put together a trail crew to go over there, and I was on that trail crew just mm -hmm. as, a, as a digger. Yeah. So we were working for Dodgy, Adam King, and Chris Martin, who later started yep. Empire of Dirt. They were on that. Um, Patty Avery was on it, Patty since passed, mm -hmm. and Dirk Peters who went on to race for New Zealand as a cross-country athlete. Yeah. And so um, the five of us, six of us, went to Chile, and we started out, we, we flew into the property, it was down in Patagonia, and um, had to catch a boat across the lake to this lodge, and it was just, it was a farm, but it, the farm had never had any machinery on it, so it had heaps of fallen trees, it had no tracks on it, and it had this little peninsula at the end of the lake and then big hillside. Yeah. And um, we unpacked our bikes and we'd bought these Atlas spades from New Zealand in our bike boxes. And we started digging just straight out the front door of the lodge, putting in a trail around this 
little uh, flat peninsula. Mm -hmm. And the client was like, aren't you guys going to do a few months worth of planning? I'm like, no, we're just going to start digging. <laughs> and so we built the first trail and within the first month we'd got three quarters of the way around the peninsula oh no we got all the way around the peninsula and we were starting to climb the hill and we were putting in a, a climb up the hill and um dodgy and i marked the first descent off that hill and they came and they said to us we've got um a couple of other properties in jamaica and portugal can you start sending trail crews to those properties and do what you've done here yeah and also can you send guys to chile and so uh dodgy and i formed nz trail solutions and uh dodgy was really the client liaison and mm -hmm. i was the in charge of logistics and getting all the crews together and over the next four years we sent um over 400 kiwi trail builders to projects for this client and um yeah, Chile, Portugal, Jamaica, Mexico, Canada, Australia, and we had a big project down in Nelson, the Wairau Gorge. Yeah. And that kicked off a huge um, trail building sort of knowledge base in New Zealand. Yeah. And um, also we were able, like, guys would go and they'd do a three-month contract and they'd put away 10 or 15 grand of wages into a bank account because they were getting free food and free accommodation at the site, so they didn't really have a lot of expenses. And that paid for overseas trips for those trail crews. So that often they'd do a three-month contract and then they'd go on holiday either in that country or travel somewhere mm -hmm. nearby. Um, Wynn and Eddie Masters um, paid for their trips to go and race World Cups, so did Joe Nation. Yeah. And, um, yeah, kicked off a whole lot of international racing careers. Brent Dickerson has done that as well. Um, and so that was really cool and it also meant that we had a whole lot of knowledge in New Zealand so at that New Zealand project we had 50 guys working in Nelson building the Wairau Gorge we built about 65 kilometers of all hand-built trail on some pretty gnarly terrain because that was pretty much the training ground eh? That like was, that was where we you'd go there and you'd kind of test them out you'd be out away from cell phone reception away from yeah civilization kind of you're not that far away but yeah it's an hour out of Nelson. but yeah in this deep gorge yeah and you're just working just digging riding bikes yeah and uh yeah it's a pretty cool it's a really cool environment like the every year there's the dodgy memorial enduro event that's mm -hmm. coming up i think it's going to be the last one this year in uh november nick um nick's running that and so i probably should say that that's a memorial to to dodgy so we were three years into that contract with the client and um, Dodzy was killed in a hunting accident here in Rotorua. Mm -hmm. Super tragic accident, so much potential lost and such a loved guy by the by this community and by the wider community. Dodzy had raced all around the world overseas and spent a lot of time doing cool things overseas. Yeah. And so uh, he had a massive group of friends. And really tight friends too. Like a lot yeah. of people speak really, really highly of yeah. Dodzy. Yeah. Really clever guy. Yeah. Had started that interview skills business. Mm -hmm. Had really kicked off that trail building business that I joined him in. Yeah. And made a big success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, yeah, left behind Gabby. It's a big it. chapter in like the New Zealand mountain biking history, really. Yeah. Eh? Like the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. It is. And it's cool now that that Wairau Gorge property 
um, he and I marked out a lot of trails on that property and then the crews would build them. A lot of the design ideas for buildings and for infrastructure and how the whole place would operate were coming from him. Yeah. And so that's sort of a memorial to him. Yeah. The Wairoa Gorge? Oh, uh, not just the gorge, but this, this event. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so this event is an uh, enduro race at the gorge. Yeah. And just a whole bunch of people getting together, riding bikes. Yeah, and... it's an enduro event, but it's also kind of a party. Yeah, and there's like lots of people come out of the woodwork for it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and lots of people that know that place like the back of their hand too, because they all worked there. Oh, yeah. With you guys. Yeah. I think Dom Stillman won the first one and had just been there on a film project for the week or two weeks before that. Oh, yeah. And so he just had the place dialed in. <laughs> yeah. So we should go down for a couple of weeks before this year. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> I have to put you on the podium. <laughs> I'd love to. Um, I'm actually going down there um, really shortly because I'm starting a new trip down there. And so I'll be, the gorge will definitely have at least a day, a day's worth of riding there. What have you got planned for your trip? Uh, the trip will be a nice cruisy intro um, at Kaiteritiri. Yeah. Uh, so a nice little pedal, gel the group and then out to the gorge possibly for two days uh and then a day off where there's a potential for a heli heli bike there's the richmond rangers um which you kind of look at from nelson and then uh the next day will be shuttles in nelson which there's lots of different little areas and so just pick and choose whatever's running good for the group on the day and then finishing off in cable bay which is richard usher's new project well it's not that new anymore but that's pretty cool. I like that spot because of the community involvement. They have their dig days, yeah, Tuesday nights. Awesome, so, um, oh, that'd be a wicked tour. Yeah, it's going to be going to be good. To run, just through summer. Yeah, but maybe on the um, on the shoulder seasons. So early summer and late summer. Yeah, because it gets pretty hot down there. So we'll see. It might be super popular and run every single week. We never know. Yeah, <laughs> start small, dream big. Yeah, <laughs> when uh, when I first started South Star, when I was over at Castle Rock, we ran a couple of tours. Mm -hmm. And so South Star started out as a adventure tour company, and we ran tours. And straight away, after the first couple of trips, I realised we didn't have enough trails. Yeah. And so now, twenty five years later, the country's littered with yeah. awesome mountain bike trails, and it's cool to see that you're doing, you're following that dream that I had that long ago. You know, and mm -hmm. making it happen. I remember having a coffee with Rob Metz in the Orchid Full store. Uh, Sarah, who was uh, not Sarah, Kimmy McVicker was working for you at the time, and yeah. she like linked me up with Rob. And um, he said that he'd also had the idea too, but the infrastructure just wasn't there. Yeah. And then I think I gave it a few more years before I pushed go because there's still like there weren't multiple days where you could link it all up really easily without having to travel really far in between. Yeah. But now like there's the Hero Dirt trip here in Rotorua and it's six days, but it could easily be much longer. We were just ticking off the or just going out and having a good time yeah. with the group. Yeah. From shuttles in the forest to going out Rambo Mountain, flying into the um Fidanaki Forest. Yeah. And then there's easier stuff too. So you can easily put a week, there's another week long trip that's just intermediate. So scenic out at the Timber Trail, out in the Fidanaki again, and here in Rotorua. The riding just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. the riding here is amazing. And yeah. It's been a long history of uh, lots of people contributing to making it better. Totally, mm. yeah. Um, so the NZ Trail stuff, 
that all finished about a year after Dodzy passed away. Mm-hmm. And the, it finished because the client hurt himself. Yeah. And he had um, osteoporosis. And the doctor said, oh, if you hurt yourself again, um, you may lose a leg. And his family freaked out and said, hold up, no more mountain biking. And so he um, very quietly just slow, just cut all the trail building from all the projects that were happening. Yeah. Which was a real bummer because we were building some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But it also meant that I could change focus and focus on New Zealand as a destination and building that dream that I'd had a long time ago to make it really cool. Mm-hmm. And so we started South Star Trails. We still had the shuttle service running at that stage. Um, we started South Star Trails and I bought a little digger and I started going around, driving around the country and building trail networks. And that was the dream really, that every trail network that we built anywhere would create a local mountain bike community and that community would then come to Rotorua for their holidays. Yeah. And so it was like a win-win-win for, it was a win for Rotorua it was a win for the shuttle service, and we were um, still be able to earn money building these trails as well, and we were having a great time doing it. Yeah, sweet. Um, Matt Walker, um, the athlete, he can work for us. We did some great jobs in Wellington. Um, he'd be off every night chasing skirt around Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> and he just did. He just he just podiumed at a um, Enduro World Series. And yeah, he did. Yeah. Not, is it still the Enduro World Series? No, it's uh, not. EDR, what is it? EDR, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty epic too. Yeah. That's not an easy feat. No, so he's had a long career as an athlete. Yeah. And, I mean, back then he was a talented kid from Rotorua. Yeah. And he still is extremely talented and he's taken a whole lot of hard work to get to where he is. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, we'd spend a couple of months in Wellington at a time, building trails down there. Um, built a whole heap in East Allen in Napier. We built the um, whole Gisborne Mountain Bike Park, Wairau Mountain Bike Park, Waipukarau, um, Gumtrees Mountain Bike Park. We built the Waitangi Mountain Bike Park in the Bay of Islands. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of stuff in Whangarei. Um, Tokarau, we've built a lot of the trails there for their trail network. Yep. At, um, created, uh, what's it called? Cougar Park. Cougar Park. And do you have still have any uh, many projects on the go at the moment? We've just started a climbing trail in Estelle. Oh, sweet! So the rebuild. Well, so Estelle, they they only had about a year to go in their park before Cyclone Gabriel hit, where they um, before it was going to get logged anyway. Yeah. And so they had already started building a whole new network of trails there. Um, Paul Needham and a couple of other guys have been working on diggers over there building those yep. trails, and. Um, Cyclone Gabriel just cut it straight away so they had heaps of tree fall in their park and they've decided with only a year left to run that it's not worth going and clearing all the trails. Yeah. And so they've got no mountain biking there at the moment and this new park is in an area that's all been logged mm-hmm. and they haven't got car parking for it yet and that's what's holding up opening that park. Huh. But this trail that we're building is the main climb for the park and it will be quite cool because you'll end up doing that track multiple times to get to the top of the hill to do different descents. Yeah. And so I've put quite a bit of effort into the design to try and keep the gradients mellow. Um, we're doing this thing that uh, Glenn Jacobs from World Trail in Australia is hot about called Climb, Rest, Climb, where you climb and then there's bits of flat 
or, or false flat oh, yeah. and then climb again until yep. you get these little rests in the middle of the climb. And I'm also putting berms on all the switchbacks so that on an e-bike, if you're hitting, say, 15, 20 kilometres an hour, you can actually rail around the switchback going uphill. Yeah. Which, no, going uphill generally on a switchback is a lot more naturally bermed anyway because you're kind of cutting into the bank and instead of when you're coming down the hill you kind of ride up the bank yeah and then down the trail and it's you're always scared of going off the off the side yeah does that make it a lot easier for a climbing trail it makes it harder to construct yeah but because you're having to build a berm so you're building up that bottom side of the turn yep um but it makes it a lot more fun to go up mm -hmm. so i think it's worth it yeah sweet i'm hoping to make the best climbing track that we've made it it's a funny thing to say but we've made some really cool climbing tracks mm -hmm. so cougar park's got some really good ones uh, tim farmer ran an event over there and uh he said to me afterwards that these are the best climbing tracks in new zealand and that's quite a good compliment because most people don't think too much about climbing tracks but if you've got a climbing track that's in gentle gradient and gets you up the hill easily and it means that you can ride for a lot longer yeah mm. yeah you're not hating it yeah you know, to put it bluntly, yeah. you're not like, oh man, I really don't want to do that trail again. You're like, oh yeah, we could do that again. Yeah. It's like Upper Moana, which went in a couple of years ago yeah. here. That's uh, super mellow and it's really lovely. It's in the trees, so you're nice and sheltered from the um, the elements. And yeah. there's a bunch of fun stuff coming off it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's a great way to get up that hill. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, I've done a trail development plan for the Rotorua Trails Trust here. And it includes a climbing track on every one of the major hills in the yeah. forest. Yeah, because a cool thing to do would be get people off of the forestry roads. Yeah. Because A, it is a working forest, and so there traffic. is traffic. Yeah. And then B, you've got shuttle vehicles. And then, you know, like uh, the first response unit, There's all there are more vehicles than you'd think using those roads. And the cyclists quite often, who come from out of town, like it's fair enough that they don't know that there's going to be that much traffic. They just think, oh, yeah, forest, mountain biking that's all that's in there. And so they think they've got right of way, but they are still pretty busy roads. Yeah. yeah. So the climbing tracks would be, and I think it'd be it's amazing. A, a more fun experience to go up a climbing track. Oh, totally. It's more mentally engaging. Yeah. Maybe not quite a social, like at least going up a road, you, you chat to people. Yarn. Yeah. But you can probably still do that on a climbing track because yeah. you're going relatively slow. Couple wide. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'd see that that's a, a cool thing that hopefully will happen in the future here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's slowly happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we've got up Moana, Frontal Lobotomy. Um, Stoke Hole as yeah. well will be to yeah. the top of Tokarangi yeah, soon. That's right. Hopefully yeah. that gets finished soon. Yeah. But it'd be great to have one up the No Brains Hill and it'd yeah. be great to have one over um, up to Split Ends. Yeah. Yeah. From both sides because it's kind sides. of um, yeah. on the elevator, but that, that's a mixture, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, okay, so the climbing trails, that's where everyone, because even in this forest, like there was no real effort put into any of the climbing trails because there were roads to the top of everything. And yeah. so everyone just wanted new descents, new descents, new descents. Um, but now, yeah, people are like, oh, what if we got off the roads? And what about the trails for the other users, like the walkers, the runners, the horse riders? Yeah. Um, well, the climbing trails become a dual use. Yeah, trail as well, which is quite cool because we're seeing a lot more runners in there. Yeah, yeah, it is good. They can access more of the forest and not just be running on rolly, gravelly roads. Yeah, yeah, ankle breakers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, well, 
pretty much had a good old hour-long yarn already. Have we? Yeah. Um, but so you've just been to the States. Uh, any other cool places? Like obviously the places that you were building trails, you must have been and visited most of those sites, if not all of them. Where's your favorite place to ride? Well, it's a hard call where's the favorite place, but often the favorite place comes down to the crew that you're with. Yeah. And uh, if you've got a good crew of mates and everyone's joking and laughing and having a good time and, and at a similar ability level, so mm -hmm. you can take turns leading the, the train of riders yep. and everyone's keeping up and buzzing each other's tires and doing side hits and that's when it can really be a good time. So on this trip, I went to uh, the Gifford Pincho Forest, which is near Mounts and Hounds. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd raced there back in 2018, Trans Cascadia, run a race there. And the reason actually that I'd gone to that race is the guy, Nick Gibson, that runs that. He manages to build sort of 40 to 50 miles of trail for each event. And I was like, how is this guy getting permission and building all this new trail for a, just for a race? Mm -hmm. And so I went to do it and find out a bit more about it because getting permission to build trail in New Zealand is actually really hard. Yeah. And so what I found out that he was doing was that in the 1950s, sort of post-World War II, the American government had funded a whole lot of trail development as a sort of job creation scheme and fire lookouts and all sorts of things in this forest. Mm -hmm. And they'd created this whole trail network. And then in 1980, Mount St. Helens erupted. So 1980, mountain bikes are only just becoming a thing in the States probably. Mm -hmm. Definitely, and, and still maybe, I think Fred had started riding in New Zealand, but there wasn't a whole lot of riding happening. Yeah. And Mount St. Helens blew its top, top 400 metres blew off, and a whole lot of those trails got decimated. Yeah. Just trees down all over them, and, and they got left. Nothing happened. And so fast forward um, 40 years, and mountain biking is this now this big recreational force, and Nick puts together these work parties and uh, they are literally a party. Like they go, they have, they camp for three days. They have chefs come in and cook meals, um, and they go and they take they cut logs off trails and they brush cut the sides of them and they reopen these. So they're reopening existing trails. That's what it came mm -hmm. down to. They weren't making new trails. Yeah, they were reopening existing ones, and uh, they were able to do that. And then they have two days of um, of work, and then they have a day of doing shuttles or going riding. Yeah, nice. So that's a pretty good formula for a fun weekend out. They get maybe 40 people all doing volunteer labour and they create the trails for this event. And so Trans Cascadia ran 2018. I went there and I was just blown away by this trail network that was all duffy and pumicey and soft dirt and didn't look like it had any traffic. And it, it literally hadn't had any traffic for 40 years. Yeah. These trails were like they were brand new again, but they had all the leaf litter and duff of the pine trees yeah and, nice uh yeah so it sounds amazing. like riding a new trail here yeah it is like riding a new trail <laughs> here. so it, it's pretty cool and so and just like here like rotorua's got amazing pumice and that's what um sucks up all the moisture and makes rotorua a wicked riding destination even after it's been raining mm -hmm. that's the similar thing there it's yeah, nice. volcanic pumice coming in from mount st helens yeah way more recently than we've had it obviously yeah and uh, just made for awesome trail conditions. I had a great time. I was riding with this um, First Nations guy, Elijah, who I met while I was over there, and we had a blast together. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. 
So they only had a weekend there, but I can't wait to go back and ride there. That was so much fun. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and what's your, like, if, for trail building, let's keep on topic here. Yeah. What would be your tip? Like, if someone, because you're a bit of an advocate for opening trail networks as well, what would be your tip to someone who's like, man, I just want more trails where I live? Like, what's the best way to go about it? Oh, it's such a tough question because... Uh, super loaded. It's super loaded, yeah. <laughs> so I would say um, find out who the landowner is first. Yeah. Then approach that landowner with a plan. And uh, some landowners, if it's a private landowner, then they're going to be worried about health and safety people in there on their land. They, and so you need to think of ways to mitigate those issues, whether it's with signage or with sign-in systems or um, those sorts of things. And then... Um, if it's public land, then they're also going to be worried about health and safety of people going on the land. So there's some um, standards that we've written for trail construction mm -hmm. that are available on the web. The um, New Zealand Recreation Association's published those. Chris Milton, Jonathan Kerr and I wrote those yeah. standards a few years ago, and Chris has just updated those with a whole lot of new diagrams and things. But they're a great place to start to say, I want to build a trail that's going to be this grade and and this is the sorts of things that the gradients that it's going to be like the um this is what, how we're going to manage storm water this is the sort of features we're going to have on this trail whether it's jumps or berms or ruts or it's going to be natural or whatever it is yeah and then uh, you can describe what you want to the landowner mm -hmm. in a way that uh, in a better way really yeah and then if it's a handbuilt trail then often those get built for free by the local community. Yeah. Um, or if it's a machine-built trail, then there's now like 10 or 15 different contractors around New Zealand that are all building trails. A lot of those people came out of NZ Trail Solutions, yeah. um, which is really cool. And yeah, I'd nice. like to support all those guys because that means that everywhere I go, there's more trail to ride. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and so uh, you can get in touch with any number of those trail building companies. Yeah. Um, 0800 South Star. Nice. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, I'll chuck a link to your website, but also a link to those standards as well, because yeah. that those standards are, are pretty good because it gives you a bit of a benchmark to so we, there's some consistency wherever you go. Because the grading system is a hard one, kind of wherever you go, you've got the locals who build the trails, and then if they think that they're really easy, then generally the grade is lower, but the difficulty is still really high. And yeah. so um, there was an audit a couple of years ago, eh, and um, a few trails here got downgraded, a few trails in Nelson got upgraded, Wellington, like it's, yeah, it, it kind of levels out the playing field a little bit more so that you know when you look at a map, a trail map on trail forks, whatever, you know what you're going to, or you have a better idea of, of what you're going to get. You know that when it says grade four, it's going to be chunky. When yeah. it's grade six, it's going to be extremely spicy and you want to be on your, on your game. Was this the ACC? the accident compensation corporation which is what in new zealand what pays for your um time off work if you have an accident that was actually initially driving those trail standards yeah nice because for that reason people would travel around the country and have such different experiences mm -hmm. on different grade trails which is actually i find it's actually okay if you understand okay nelson generally the trails are a bit yep. harder yep you probably understand that after riding one trail yeah but um it's been great to have some consistency and actually a couple of companies have formed to do those audits now since the standards have been put out. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Well, they're a guideline actually. They're not an official standard. Yeah. Guidelines. Yeah. Guidelines are good. Yeah. So they're a little bit gray. Yeah. 
you know, which is on purpose because we want still people to room for interpretation. Yeah, have interpretation and be able to be creative. Yeah, but also not hurt people. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, and that's like a big thing about guiding too. Being around, like traveling, I did a big trip around the states, which was the basis for trying to start something here, and going to places and just the inconsistency. And you're like, I know this place is meant to be good. I've heard so many good things about it, yet I'm not finding any of that good stuff. So yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah, to hook up with a local guide and whether it's a friend or yeah someone you employ, just to get the best out of where you're going yeah i think it's totally worth it especially if you come here there's so many trails and you can link them together in so many ways yeah. that uh it's just so much more fun having a, a local guide like you showing someone or showing a crew where to go mm-hmm. and then you can not have to think about that and be looking at trail forks or trail maps just having a good time yeah just, you're just, having a good time. <laughs> just follow yeah um and the other cool thing is with a guide is that and I noticed this on this trip because I was riding trails, especially in Bellingham, where transition is from. There's so many trails there that are super gnarly. And the guy that I was riding with, Dave, Dave Trumpor, was awesome. He'd be like, okay, five corners in, there's a drop that is not rollable. Mm-hmm. And um, if, as long as he told me the features on the trail that weren't rollable and you had some warning, yeah. then that's fine. You could lift or, or not do those trails we'll stop yeah uh, do a beeline or yeah. whatever you know but um that little bit of local knowledge probably saved me multiple times on that trip mm-hmm. from doing stupid things yeah because often you're dropping over blind things you know yeah mm. or you're having too much fun yeah yeah and, and you, you want to get in a flow and you're just like this is awesome speed, yeah. this is awesome yeah. and then all of a sudden whoa yeah, yeah. double yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So trail consistency is something that um, we've tried to build in the trails. And if you ride those trails at Warrior Gorge, you'll notice that everything on those trails is rollable. Even though there's some higher grade trails, there's nothing that's super surprising in that mm-hmm. park. And that's been done on purpose because uh, there was always people riding there that that had never been there. Yeah. And so uh, it's one of the things we try to do in the trails that we build too. But also it's equally applicable to guiding because you're guiding on a whole range of trails that probably haven't been audited and haven't had uh well they've just got features on them that are everything changes here so yeah yeah and even on a lower grade trails there could be a feature that's a grade up yeah that you want to tell someone about yep or just whoever you with Mm. you can see their style of riding and you just show them what's going to be fun for them yeah yeah um nice all right. Well, should we we wrap it up? We might have to have another one of these yarns about yeah. e-biking again or something, eh? <laughs> another topic that we could dive dive right into. Yeah. Um, but anything else you wanted to add before we wrap things up? Um, I guess I should thank all the all the people that have worked for us over the years. Yeah. We've had some awesome staff both for the shuttle business and for the trail building operation. Mm-hmm. And it's the people that make the, that they often say business is business, but actually business is all about the people that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had some awesome people to work with and some awesome clients to, to build cool projects with. And yeah, nice. So I'm grateful for that. Nice. Yeah. And I'm grateful to live in this cool community where we're still building cool trails and there's still neat things happening. Yep. Yeah. Maybe next time we can talk about the Trap Lines project. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Yeah, some more conservation. 
yeah, yeah. You know, getting into food conservation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. All right, well, thanks heaps for coming, Jeff. Um, I'll put a link to your website, uh, the trail um, guidelines for New Zealand, um, but also your Insta because you're always on pretty cool little adventures all over the show. Um, but remember, the best way to support us is to come riding. Um, follow the podcast, uh, hit the notification button so that you get updated when I have a new guest to talk to. And if you do want to talk to want me to talk to anyone or ask, um, go into a certain topic, then ask in the Q and A. Uh, but yeah, be sure to check out our website, NewZealandMountainBiking.com, and check out our trips. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll see you out on the trails. Go ride your bike. Awesome, thanks, Jimmy. Mate, that's good.